The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. Political neutrality. Not with Timothy Shea. This is The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Oh, how sweet it is. Nothing makes me happier. Nothing tickles me pinker than when they're hoisted on their own petard. But how do you humiliate someone with no sense of humility? How do you shame someone with no sense of shame? Well, mockery. Ridicule is our most potent weapon, and I'm going to use it tonight. Karen J. Phillips of Deadspin. Yeah, I know his name is Karan, but Karen works better, and it's spelled kind of like Karen. So for tonight's story, he's Karen. He thought that he was going to just channel his inner mean girl and ruin what looks to be an eight to 10 year old boy's life. The young man, Holden, I want to get his name right, Holden Armetta, went to a Chiefs game, a Kansas City Chiefs game in Las Vegas. Apparently, Las Vegas now has a football team. I didn't realize that. Last Super Bowl I saw was Tom Brady's amazing comeback against the Atlanta Falcons. Ever since they took a knee, they've been dead to me. But the little boy was with his parents at the game in full Kansas City Chiefs regalia. He had on the sweatshirt. He had on the necklace with the arrowhead medallion that says KC. And he had one half of his face painted red and the other painted black. And he was wearing a full headdress. And Karen thought that it was his job to ruin that boy's life and selectively portray him as a racist. Took a picture from the side that was painted black, accused him of blacking up for the game. When the the full picture shows he was half red, half black, which is very common at Chiefs game. And yes, he was wearing a full headdress, but was he mocking the Chiefs? This has been a big issue for me because my grammar school, Holy Family, we were the Chiefs. And we weren't mocking them. We were proud to be the Chiefs. Chiefs are noble. Chiefs are leaders. Chiefs are warriors. It was a tribute. And so, too, with young Holden. But no, Karen had to just get on his high horse and bully a little boy all over the Internet. Well, guess what? Holden Armada, he's Native American. He's from the Kumash tribe that originates in Southern California, mostly from Los Angeles through Santa Barbara up to San Luis Obispo. Joke's on you, Karen. Mocking Native Americans, if anything, even as a Chiefs fan, he was celebrating, not mocking. But if, you know, if anything, he was just showing his Native American pride. Cultural appropriation, au contraire, mon frere. He was celebrating his own culture. So what do you have to say now, Karen? This is a big problem with social media. You get these people, you can call them keyboard warriors, you can call them what you will. They have very little substantive knowledge about anything on which they opine. Right. When I talk about science, I missed a lot of fun in college 
in chemistry lab, in biology lab, doing an independent study that required me to sample Coturnix, Coturnix, Japonica, Japanese quail on a 24-hour cycle. And I had to do that several times. Sure, we had fun, but missed out on an awful lot too. I don't recall seeing any of these internet PhDs in my organic chemistry lab or even in the lecture hall, much less the library. So I've got no respect for these people to talk about things that they have no substantive knowledge of. Likewise, other areas where they've got an opinion, great. Guess what? They're like belly buttons. Everybody's got one. And that's fine. But that doesn't mean that your opinion entitles you to bully other people with different opinions. Now, if we're talking about facts, if your opinion is based on facts which are wrong, like the fact that masks don't work, that the gene jabs were never safe, never effective, and it turns out not even tested to see whether they were safe or effective. If you're going to go out there and spew the latest thing, the latest narrative, just like that NPC meme that we used to describe you, that featureless grayed out character that's just going along with hive mind, whatever your TV tells you, that's what your position is. Your TV tells you to hate Jews and love Hamas, so you're out there protesting for Hamas, gluing yourself to streets for Hamas. If your TV tells you that masks are important, you're out there wearing a mask and bullying other people who know better, and those of us who know better. Well, I ridiculed them. I wore a mask made out of millinery netting. Some people call it the fishnet mask. You get the idea. It was technically a mask. It was a piece of cloth covering my face. But the purpose of it was to ridicule all the people that were following the latest things. And that's what we need more of. Not bullying. Not bullying for bullying's sake. Don't start the fight, but always finish it. I'm Timothy Shea, and this is The Reckoning. For a complete list of shows and our schedule offered on TNT Radio, simply visit our website. We serve up the latest live news and current affairs presented by a host of credible and expert commentators who can separate fact from fiction, truth from propaganda, right here on TNT Radio. Russia, gas prices, COVID mandates. It just doesn't seem like anybody's doing anything about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. A life-saving cancer therapy may actually be causing a new disease in patients receiving the treatment. Here with the story, joining me now is TNT Radio News producer, Adam Clark. Thanks, Timothy. What a surprise, right? Uh, the cure that they offer causes more problems. Uh, I'm shocked. Shocking and and is, guess what, though? They've got medicines for those problems, I, I guarantee. Probably. Uh, it's all, also, actually, what is shocking is that the FDA appears to maybe possibly, who knows, trying to attempt to do its job. Uh, but yes, uh, they're the ones who are... Or, trying to pull the stops on this uh a gene therapy treatment believe it or not used in cancer patients is under scrutiny by the fda after the agency received reports of new blood cancers among treated individuals the treatment 
CAR-T was first approved by the FDA in 2017 and is used in the treatment of blood cancers. However, the agency has received, quote, reports of T-cell malignancies, end quote, a group of blood disorders among some of the patients who received CART treatments, according to an announcement uh, yesterday, November 28th. The reported malignancies include lymphoma, uh, cancer of the lymphatic system, which includes lymph nodes, the thymus gland, bone marrow, and the spleen. The agency said, quote, although the overall benefits of these products continue to outweigh their potential risks <laughs> for their approved uses, FDA is investigating the identified risk of T-cell malignancy with serious outcomes, including hospitalization and death, and is evaluating the need for regulatory action, end quote. In CART treatments, a type of white blood cells called T cells are removed from the blood of a patient. These cells are then genetically engineered to make proteins called chimeric antigen receptors or CAR. The receptors allow T cells to attach to cancer cells and kill them. Once the genetic engineering is completed, the modified cells are then infused back into the patient's blood. The FDA pointed out that, quote, patients and clinical trial participants receiving treatment with these products should be monitored for lifelong, must uh, should be monitored lifelong for new malignancies, end quote. Shocking. The agency said, quote, in the event that a new malignancy occurs following treatment with these products, contact the manufacturer to report the event and obtain instructions on collection of patient samples for testing for the presence of chimeric antigen receptor car transgene end quote uh at present there are six cart products that has been approved by the fda uh novartis has one called chimera with a k uh gilead has one called yescarta We've got Carvicta from Johnson & Johnson and Legend. There's Brayanzi from Bristol-Myers Squibb, who also has Abegma, who knows, can't pronounce these words, and another one from Gilead called Tecartis. Uh, wow, and the risk applies to all six of these products. Um, and uh, I suppose this uh, came as a surprise to some of the scientists, from what I'm understanding, Timothy. Uh, clearly, science is not my strong suit, but I know it's yours. What's shocking to me is I didn't realize that they were messing around with gene therapy treatments like this as far back as this was approved in 2017. They would like us to believe that this type of stuff just hit the scene recently, like magic during yeah, the pandemic. No. What do you think? No. No, it, it didn't hit the scene. And look, if the history of science has taught us one thing, it's that scientists should expect unintended consequences. The history of science is littered with unintended consequences, right? Our ships, our cargo ships pick up ballast water in Asia and sail across the ocean into the Great Lakes and dump their ballast water. And guess what? The ballast water had all sorts of little nymphs, the little uh, in the reproductive phase of a zebra mussel in this case, it's before the little polyp forms a shell, binds to something and starts to form a shell. Well, now all the entire Great Lakes waterway and now all of the Finger Lakes even because we've got trailer trash, people that put their boats in for a day. 
And they go up to Lake Ontario one day, and then they come down to Scanning Atlas Lake or Atisco Lake or Owasco Lake or one of the other beautiful lakes, and they didn't clean off their boat and their trailer sufficiently. And so these little, these little polyps, the little reproductive embryonic muscles, it adhered to the trailer or adhered to the propeller or the boat hull, and now they're in a new body of water. And now that body of water is completely invaded because there's no natural predator for the zebra mussel here in the United States. Our lakes are clearer, which people might think is a good thing, clearer water. Well, not so much. A lot of fish like the murky water. They need it for their young to survive. Weeds love clearer water because they get more sunlight. So now we're spending hundreds of millions of dollars across the Northeast and across the Great Lakes to get rid of algae, seaweed, you know, aquatic plants that were never a problem before. And we've got one called milfoil, which was never a problem. It's another invasive species that is thriving thanks to the cleaner water from the zebra mussels. That was done accidentally. Sometimes it's done intentionally, like kudzu down south. Here's a great idea. We're going to take this fast-growing vine from Asia, and we're going to plant it to prevent erosion on hillsides. Great in theory, but what happens? There's no natural forager for kudzu here in the United States, and now utility companies and municipalities are spending hundreds of millions of dollars every year just to cut down the kudzu to keep ahead of it because it grows six feet a day, okay? It happens over and over and over and over and over again, and I have been warning about this for over 30 years. Gene therapy is about the riskiest thing that we can do in science. We literally are smart enough to go to the hardware store and buy power tools, but we don't know how to use them. It's like a six-year-old going to the hardware store with dad's credit card, buying a power saw, taking it home and trying to build a tree house for himself. You know that a limb is gonna come off at one point and I'm not talking about the tree's limbs, okay? We are children in our scientific knowledge and we're playing things that are so far behind, beyond our total comprehension. It is terrifying. We're literally, playing with the future of the human race yeah scary stuff indeed um and you know i don't know what you think about this but i, I always think of like old testament biblical stuff because before there was the flood uh, it said that all 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 things every single thing on the on the planet like the from the plants to the animals to man were corrupted and i'm thinking how can plants or animals be corrupted well they can be corrupted on the cellular level and I know that there were stories of fallen angels kind of messing around with some things back then. So it makes me wonder sometimes exactly what was going on. Uh, were, yeah, and we've got were that, evil entities doing the same thing we, that evil entities are doing today. Right. We've got that one mysterious sentence about the the uh, sons of man. And what, wait, what was that about? What was that about Nephilim? Huh? What? It was just one sentence. And it leaves you going, you know, doing that cartoon double take. But here's the thing. That's where this sentence comes into play, Adam. Good good call. 
A chimera in science is when you take two things and put them together. We've all seen the photograph of the ear growing, the external ear growing on the back of a mouse. They genetically engineered the mouse to be able to regrow an ear for burn victims so that they could have a, a uh, an exterior ear so they wouldn't look like a reptile man with their ear burned off. Okay, that's a chimera. Anytime you take something from one species and graft it into another species, it's called a chimera in science. And and yeah, that's kind of what they were talking about in that, that Genesis passage, wasn't it? Thanks for another fantastic story. You're listening to The Reckoning on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. 13 Israeli hostages released uh, as part of that ceasefire deal. Uh, 49 days after they were taken hostage, 49 days. So that still leaves about 225 to 227 more hostages. Uh, I'm with John Bolton, the former national security advisor to Donald Trump. I'm with Britt Hume of, uh, of Fox News. I'm with a bunch of other people who say this gives Hamas too much time to do whatever they want to do, to do whatever they need to do, to regroup, to rearm, to re-strategize. And as much as you want the hostages back, it can't be at the expense of the other part of the mission, which is to destroy Hamas. I think it's a mistake. Steve Malzberg on TNT Radio. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles, and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk, and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. They've launched a new service called Wake Up Your Neighbours, where you can get copies delivered to the streets right around you if you don't want to do it yourself. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk Internet. Internet. A stream online. TNT Radio.live. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Jared Knott is the author of Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters, 39 Tiny Mistakes That Changed the World Forever. He's also had numerous, numerous articles published in the Mensa Bulletin and in graduate school textbooks on subjects ranging from Supreme Court reform to Arctic exploration. Jared was a decorated combat infantry officer in Vietnam and the 1st Air Cavalry Division. In his civilian career, he served as vice president of sales and marketing and a marketing director in the home improvement industry. I'd like to welcome to The Reckoning, Jared Knott. I'm interested in talking to him because what a wide range of expertise, not only military history, but Arctic exploration. I'm thinking maybe in the army and air cav, he did a stint down in uh, up in the Arctic, or maybe he's just a buff. One of the things that caught my attention was Supreme Court reform. Tiny blunders, big disasters is a fantastic title. There's an old expression, not expression, but an old, we don't know if you want to call it a, a story, an epigram. For want of a nail, the horse lost a shoe. For want of a shoe, the knight lost a horse. For loss, for want of a knight, the king lost the battle. Sometimes small things like a horseshoe nail can have dire consequences like losing a war. I'm really interested in talking about this book with Jared Knott. Jared? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm here. Welcome to The Reckoning. 
It's a, like I say, it's an honor to be here. Thank you. Well, thank you for your service and a happy belated Veterans Day. I was just saying the old uh, poem, or I, I don't know how to properly characterize the it, but adage, for want, the, old adage, the, the adage, I guess, or morality tale. Yeah, for want of a nail, the horse lost a shoe. That's one of the horse the battle, really what this book is about, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's uh, a nice old saying that uh, talking about just the loss of a nail can lead to the horse, the rider, the battle of the empire being lost. And in the end, the empire was lost all for the want of a nail. And that's a nice little saying. But how often does that really happen? Well, it happens in my book uh, 39 times. Really, I say 39 times because that's kind of a catchy number. It's really more like about 43 or 44. And I'm also working on the sequel. We have a bunch more. It's amazing how many tiny mistakes throughout history have had major, major consequences. Well, maybe a tiny mistake like funding gain of function research through a uh, third party (laughs) straw man in a Chinese biological lab. I don't know. I'm just saying. Yes. Yes. That I think in the second book that I'm working on now, that is definitely one of the chapters in that particular chapter. I talk about how there's two mistakes in a laboratory, which had enormous consequences. One saved millions and millions of lives. And that one cost millions of lives. I go way back to uh, 1928, uh, Alexander Fleming and uh, St. Mary's Hospital in London. He was known for keeping kind of a sloppy lab, a messy lab. And he uh, is mm-hmm. leaving to go on vacation in Scotland for two weeks. And he takes his dirty dishes, in this case, Petri dishes. They were smeared with bacteria, just leaves them in the sink. Okay, so off he goes, <laughs> comes back two weeks later, going over to the sink. And he's looking at the sink. And lo and behold, maybe because it's left a window open or whatever, a penicillin mole had landed right in the middle of one of these Petri dishes, and it's killed all the bacteria around it. Oh, my gosh. There's a big clear area around it. <clears throat> this is a huge epiphany. There's something in bacteria mold, in penicillin mold, that kills bacteria. And it kept growing. It, it changed colors, went to be or- white, orange, green, and just flourished and flourished and flourished killing all the bacteria around it, which was a huge, huge breakthrough. There was a, a, a bacteria-killing properties in penicillin mold. It took a number of years for it to be refined and developed, but then, of course, it ended up saving, and still to this day saves tens of millions of lives. That's on the good Well, it side. does. In fact, all side. the penicillin made for GIs in World War II was manufactured in my hometown of Syracuse, New York by Bristol-Myers. Yes, there was, a, the, in order to get the huge production uh, they went over to the, the Rockefeller Foundation, gave a, a grant, and I think it's uh, Pfizer and uh, I guess Bristol Myers, and I think maybe even Squibb, they uh, found a way of re- producing it uh, in uh, fluid, and they produced large, large, large quantities, which, of course, in World War II was an enormous need. Uh, I, I, interesting, there was a law uh, that the uh, penicillin had to be saved for use with uh, GIs in the military, especially in combat. Right. I met a gentleman once, and he, and he was six years old at the time, and he was dying of a particular illness. And the doctor uh, knew the president of one of the companies that was producing the penicillin, and he went to see him and said, let's mail a six-year-old boy here who's going to die in the next uh, week or two or so if we don't give him doses of penicillin. So against the law, he was allowed to take penicillin out of the factory give it to the little boy who is alive today at the age of like 83 or 84. 
but it has saved millions and millions and millions of lives. Just uh, a miracle drug, which is what it was called. On the other side of the equation, uh, you mentioned already, uh, there we are in China, uh, there in the Wuhan lab, and they made the other kind of mistake, I guess. And now some people claim they did it on purpose. I don't guess I believe that. But they let this uh, this leak get out of the lab on this, uh, this very dangerous uh, gain-of-function uh, research-type uh, viruses. And, of course, we know that I think it's about over 10 million people so far have, been, uh, have died as a result, uh, 10 million and counting. Yeah, I'd mentioned in our news story tonight another couple of small mistakes, thinking that kudzu would be a great anti-erosion uh, plant yeah. down south and also... Uh, the unintended consequence of loading up uh, container cargo ships with ballast water from Asia and dumping that ballast water in the Great Lakes, giving us the zebra mussel. I did not know that. Okay. I did not know that one. Yeah, they've got, uh, we also have the Asian walking catfish that came uh, from Asia. Right. And a curse as well. Uh, the snakehead, uh, right? Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. And it was it was a, a, an ugly uh, thing there. There's uh, several invasive species that uh, have really threatened. There was, and there was a particular fish. Is that the fish we're talking about that was contaminating the, the rivers up in the northeast? Is that the yeah? One well, in the midwest, in the upper Midwest, and it's wild because they're brought to the surface and they leap in response to vibrations. So people going down the river unawares of this problem in, yeah. in a power boat. Of course, you got the vibration of that outboard engine. All of a sudden they're getting smacked in the head with 20, 30 pound fish that are leaping all over wow. the place. Huh, now they put up nets, haven't they, in the river to keep them from spreading too far south? Is yes. That, is that right? Yeah. Is that, is that working out right, or is that still a, a huge well, problem? Well, so far, I mean, and we, in my little town in upstate New York, Somebody put their goldfish into the local pond. It's like, well, that pond drains into Chittenango Creek. And Chittenango Creek drains into Oneida Lake, which is part of the barge canal system, which is tied into Lake Ontario, which is tied into the west rest of the world. So my little carpenter's pond here has to have these very fine mesh barriers at all of the inlet and it both the inlet and the outflow portions to keep little tiny goldfish from getting through they can't just put up nets because baby goldfish are so small so we've got to have these really fine mesh nets well what happens to really fine mesh in a a pond it gets clogged up with algae so now we got to pay somebody to sure. go in and keep the algae clean off the mats the nets so that we can uh, have water flow through the pond and it's just a mess and it's all caused by somebody didn't mean to cause the problem they just oh yeah johnny's goldfish we're done with those we'll just throw them in the pond because because we don't want to flush them down the toilet right now a goldfish where they get just enormous when they get into large bodies of water or what oh a goldfish will grow a koi you know the decorative koi those are goldfish goldfish yeah. will grow very, very large if they have an unrestricted environment. Hmm. Well, of course, down in uh, Florida, uh, we have the anaconda snakes down there right. that are yep. killing the alligators. That says somebody with the uh, yeah, like, same thing, I want to get rid of this snake. 
and they threw out there in the Everglades, and here we are years later with this, they're taking over, killing the alligators, a, a major, major a problem. Uh, so, yeah, there's a little tiny... At least one alligator got time. his revenge, though. If one alligator wasn't totally dead, when it was a Burmese python, it wasn't totally dead when the python swallowed it, and the alligator was able to claw his way out of the python's belly it was an ugly picture but it was equal parts funny wow wow and sometimes they, they'll choke on the alligator and i guess uh, sometimes though i guess the alligator's not dead he's just in there and, and just cuts his way through it uh well that's a yeah that's and now those those stories are not in the book but uh, the kudzu in particular people i should put uh, uh in the book it's, it's amazing how many of them that there are out there uh, the very first one I thought of, this is like 13, 14 years ago, when I first had the idea, is the teaser for it, is that a single piece of tape rotated several inches the wrong direction, changed the outcome of the Vietnam War, the United States might very well have won, except for that single tiny mistake. Um, and uh, <clears throat> that was, uh, of course, that doesn't make any sense, does it? I mean, a piece of tape, what in the heck does that have to do with anything? Well, it has, uh, it has to do with the Watergate break-in when James McCord and the Cuban right. operatives were uh, jimming the door from the parking garage into the office, the Watergate office complex. They were told to hold the striker on the door down with a piece of tape in the vertical position so it could not be seen from the hallway. They made a mistake. They put it in the horizontal position. So when Frank Wills, the night watchman, is walking down the hall, he sees with tape on the door. This door's been jimmied. Calls the Washington, D.C. police. A rumor is he had to call them twice. But anyway, he calls them. There's another rumor that the uh, uniform officer on duty in that part of the city was intoxicated in a local bar and could not answer the call. So they had to send the bum patrol, three officers dressed as hobos and a jalopy car, they pull up to the Watergate complex. They're not recognized by the lookout as police officers. They come into the building, uh, and they can able to arrest James McCord and the Cuban operatives. Watergate begins, boom, one thing after the other, boom, boom, boom. Henry Kissinger gave a, a, an interview on television. He said they just signed the treaty with the North Vietnamese, ending the war in Vietnam, supposedly. He said they knew that the North Vietnamese were going to be testing the treaty, and the plan was to go back in and bomb the living daylights out of them again uh, to get them back in compliance with the treaty. But they were so weak politically they couldn't. So South Vietnam collapses, Nixon administration collapses, it all falls apart because of a single piece of tape rotated several inches the wrong direction and a drunk cop. Oh, my goodness. That's an amazing outcome from such a tiny mistake. We're going to hear more after the news. You're listening to The Reckoning on TNT Radio. Now, 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 TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. International mediators on Wednesday worked to extend the truce in Gaza, encouraging the Hamas terrorist group to keep freeing hostages in exchange for the release of Palestinian prisoners and further relief from Israel's air and ground offensive. Two dual Russian and Israeli nationals were released early Wednesday evening, separately from the 10 Israeli hostages set to be freed by Hamas sometime later as a goodwill gesture to Russia's President Vladimir Putin. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT Radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT Radio. What are some other small mistakes 
that led to large repercussions? Yes, one of my favorite that has a huge impact today uh, is a mistake made by Woodrow Wilson back in 1919 at the Versailles Treaty. Um, he, um, was World War I had been won by the Allies. The uh, Chinese had sent 100,000 workers to help dig trenches there in France and uh, Belgium. They wanted some respect. They wanted uh, their slice of the pie. The Japanese had defeated the Germans on the Pacific Ocean and had taken over, this is important, the uh, German concessions as part of China that was controlled by Germany. And the British, and, uh, the British had their area of concessions, and so did the French, but anyway, the German concessions. And the, uh, the Japanese, and the dividing up the spoils, are asking for two things from the Versailles Treaty. They wanted uh, to be able to keep the German concessions under their control, Okay, which is like taking over an area of China, in effect. And they also wanted a statement of racial equality that all people of the world would be given equal rights and equal recognition under the laws of all nations. Well, into the 21st century year, that sounds like a real simple thing. Oh, shoot, yeah, that's no problem. Well, but back then, the, um, the Australians, and this, even to this day, Australia, I don't hope I'm not offending <laughs> anybody in Australia, think of themselves as a white island floating in an Asian sea, and they were afraid of uh, the wages of the workers going down if a lot of immigration came into their country from uh, surrounding Asian countries. They were opposed to that statement of equality. Also, the senators in the western United States, California, and Oregon, they also worried about immigration, lowering the wages of their, lo of their constituents of the local workers, so they also were opposed uh, to that statement of, of equality. And uh, Woodrow Wilson uh, who has uh, this, uh, himself has kind of a, a record for some of the racial discrimination. I won't go into that. But anyway, uh, so Woodrow Wilson, under pressure, caves in. He needed the votes of those senators, by the way, to help pass his League of Nations bill. But anyway, he caves in and he tells the Japanese, I'm sorry, we cannot give you this statement of racial equality. But what we can do instead, we will let you have those uh, Chinese concessions, the German concessions on China, on mainland China. Well, remember, Wilson's 14 points, one of the main, main themes of his 14 points was local determination, that uh, uh, colonies would not be established by one more powerful nation against another nation. There'd be local determination of all peoples throughout the world. Well, this was a point-blank violation of what he promised the people of the world. Well, you know, the dates are important. It was announced on May 3rd the Japanese are going to be allowed to keep the, Ch the German concessions uh, there on mainland China. On May 4th, uh, the now famous May 4th movement begins. And the one Chinese nationalist uh, stated it this way, said, we had believed in Woodrow Wilson and the Western democracies, and then we decided that they were all great liars. Okay, so the Chinese rejected Western democracies, rejected Woodrow Wilson, there was new philosophy, coming out of Russia at that time, called communism. They embraced communism. The May 4th movement, uh, taken over at one point by Mao Zedong, became the communist movement uh, over a number of years. Mao Zedong turned uh, China uh, into a communist nation, 1949, and uh, down the road they go towards communism and uh, Mao Zedong, etc. Now, um, and here we are today. United We're going to talk about this yes. a little bit further, about how the United States has actually created a lot of problems in the world through errors in foreign policy. You're listening to The Reckoning on TNT Radio. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. 
CNBC co-anchor Andrew Ross Sorkin is, well, very annoying. In the most annoying way, as a matter of fact. And here he is being super annoying, going after House Speaker Mike Johnson on the issue of his faith. I think it was the first day that uh, you had been uh, sworn in. It appeared uh, that you had, were praying uh, on the floor uh, of Congress with a number of other uh, congressmen. And there is a question about the separation of, of church and state. One thing to, to pray outside and to, and to have your faith, and, and, and there's a great importance in that. But how do you think about that? And how do you think about the public perception of that? See, annoying, but Johnson schooled him. When the founders set this system up, they wanted a vibrant expression of faith in the public square because they believed that uh, a general moral consensus and virtue was necessary to maintain this grand experiment in self-governance that we created, a government of, by, and for the people. We don't have a king in charge. We don't have a middleman. So we've got to keep morality amongst us so that we have accountability. And so they, they wanted faith to be a big part of that. The, the separation of church and state is a, is a misnomer. People misunderstand it. Of course, it comes from a phrase that was in a letter that Jefferson wrote. It's not in the Constitution. Proof once again that facts Trump annoying every time. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Tune in to my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT Radio Vision. I tell my son, I love you every single day. Now, my dad has never said that to me. Not because he doesn't love me, but because culturally it wasn't comfortable for him. Now that he's a grandfather, he says, I love you to my son every time he sees him. My advice to all the fathers out there, forget the cultural restrictions. They grow up way too fast for you to waste even a single precious moment. The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. I'm talking with Jared Knott, the author of Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters, 39 Tiny Mistakes That Changed the World Forever. You can find Jared on X at BlunderKing29. And check out his website, Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters. Jared, I love my country. Not always so crazy about the government. Sadly, we've mm -hmm. given the world plenty of reason to distrust us. We've broken almost every, if not every, treaty we made with Native peoples in the 1800s. We have a long history of rigging elections overseas. They just use that in 2020, 2022, and perhaps other elections to, to bring that skill set here to our shores. Uh, a lot of people around the world are upset with what our government's done in their country. And this distrust has led to a lot of the problems that we're facing in the world today, hasn't it? Yes, it has. The, the, of course, you go back to uh, we had a good engineer, just many examples of engineer coup and the Iran way back in the early 50s to get uh, rid of a, uh, we thought, a radical leader. Of course, we ended up with uh, radical leaders in the end. Uh, we've uh, been, CIA has been involved in a lot of intrigues uh, over the years. However, I will say, if you look at uh, World War One, World War Two, you look at uh, our stand against terrorism, our stand against uh, uh, communism, uh, we, along with the British, some of our allies, have stood for freedom and democracy, which is a great sacrifice. And so I think uh, we're very much on this, mostly, not always, 
mostly on the side of the angels. You compare us with, oh. with Russia and with China and with Iran and so on and so forth, North Korea. But at the same and time... And I would agree with that. I'm just saying that for people looking for reasons, we've, we've also given them reasons. But I agree with you. We have been on the side of the angels for the most part. Yeah, and every now and then we slip. <laughs> and, uh, by the way, like on the negative side, we have uh, incredible corruption. Uh, of course, the, the situation with the Bidens in Ukraine and also with... Uh, we have we're receiving $24 million plus uh, from the Chinese Communist Party to the Biden family. I mean, there's some things that just stink to high heaven. Uh, so there's, and there's the stories of a lot of indication that the billions of dollars we're sending over to Ukraine, uh, millions, we send over billions and millions comes back in the form of bribes. That's one allegation out there. Right. So there's uh, corruption. And in the old movie, Mr. Smith goes to Washington uh, it was, uh, of course, there's corruption back then, uh, and uh, that was why the movie uh, was made. And uh, some people opposed having that movie released. One of the people very much opposed to it was none other than uh, Joe Kennedy. He probably was uh, portrayed <laughs> indirectly uh, in a surrogate fashion in, in the movie uh, because there was a lot of corruption and a lot of uh, that kind of skullduggery going on back in the 1940s and, and of course, very much uh, to this day. So it's uh, uh, our hands are not clean. We are not perfect. But uh, we are, compared to other nations, we still have a, a pretty good record overall. I think we do on balance. You're absolutely correct. You wrote an article recently that caught my eye and piqued my interest. It's one of the reasons I wanted to speak with you tonight. You posed the question, what would the world look like if Donald Trump were president? Why don't you elaborate on that? Mm. Yes, um, of course, nobody knows for certain. We don't have a crystal ball. But you can make a pretty good argument, and Donald Trump himself asserts this, that the war in Ukraine would not have taken place uh, and even the war in the attack on Israel on October the 7th would have not going to take place if he had been president of the United States. Well, taking Ukraine first, he says that he told uh, Putin that if he invaded Ukraine, that he would, uh, he, Putin, the United States, sorry, the United States would bomb Moscow. Uh, and so there was no adventurism at all to speak of uh, during the, uh, by Putin, by the Russians, during Donald Trump's administration. In the prior administration, with uh, Osama, with uh, uh, with Obama, they had uh, sent troops into uh, operatives into Georgia, and also they had invaded the uh, uh, Crimea, uh, and they were uh, they were getting very aggressive. Then, uh, uh, of course, under uh, Joe Biden, after they saw the bumbling there in Afghanistan, they thought, "Here's a weak president who's not going to respond. We'd be able to take over uh, uh, the Crimea. We could take over uh, Ukraine in just a few days. Of course, they've been sadly, uh, happily for us and sadly for them, uh, surprised by the resistance of the Ukrainians. But I don't think that war would have taken place if Donald Trump had been president. And going to Iran, uh, Trump had uh, clamped down very heavy sanctions on the uh, Iranians' ability to sell their petroleum on the world market. Their cash reserves have fallen from over $100 billion all the way down to only a pathetic $4 billion for a nation that size with that much petroleum. It's a very small amount, and it's causing a lot of economic hardship in the nation. They had the people protesting in the streets. Uh, they were having to keep their, uh, their secret service busy, their, their secret agents busy, uh, killing people uh, to keep the, the regime from being uh, uh, thrown out uh, by the, uh, the people, the unrest in, in their own streets. And they didn't have billions of dollars left over to invest in uh, terrorism. Well, under the Biden administration, those sanctions are lifted. 
uh, billions and billions of dollars worth of uh, petroleum uh, dollars come into Iran. And, of course, they use that money, as they have in the past, to invest in terrorism in the Middle East, which led, I think, to the attack on October the 7th. Of course, you don't know for sure, but you can make a pretty good argument that that uh, uh, elaborate attack would not have taken place if the Iranians had been broke uh, and under pressure. So it's very possible, no one knows, very possible that both of the wars would not have taken place if Donald Trump had been president of the United States these, uh, these last two and a half, three years. And I think that's a reasonable surmise because Donald Trump is the only president I think in the last 50 years, it hasn't had a war start under his watch somewhere in the world. We haven't been involved in a war under his watch. And it's amazing. You know, I used to play a little game with my children. I, th- I think it's a common thing that children do. It's called opposite day. I don't know if you're familiar with the concept, but an opposite no. day, everything's backward, right? So it, at night, as I was putting them to bed, they'd say, good morning, dad. I hate you. You know, it it, it feels to a child's sense of humor, right? Everything is backwards. Well, it seems to me as though leftists every day is opposite day. It's almost like, you know, that movie Groundhog Day where Bill Murray has to relive the same day over and over again. It's like they're stuck on Mm -hmm. opposite day. Everything, you know, up is down, left is right, and right is wrong. And I'm using left and right there and right and wrong uh, intentionally. with a double meaning. The projection is off the charts. They accused uh, Donald Trump of being Putin's puppet. Meanwhile, Joe Biden clearly has been doing the bidding, not only of Vladimir Putin in certain respects, but also uh, President Xi in China. Uh, We have had case after case. You know, Hillary accuses Trump of rigging the 2016 election by colluding with China. And we have to have the Mueller probe and we have to have impeachment 1.0 about a phone call asking the president of Ukraine to look into allegations of corruption in Ukraine involving Joe Biden. And we got to impeach him over that. And it's like, every it's almost as though we can always tell what the truth is based on what the left accuses Donald Trump of, of doing, thinking, and being. Well, there's just simply no question about it. I mean, I think kind of a pet philosophy, you go down to the basics, the basic facts in a situation, that can tell you what's really going on, even though there's a lot of soft soap, a lot of uh, uh, speeches that are meant to divert our thinking and so on and so forth. But look, let's go to the basics. The Chinese Communist Party paid the Biden family $24 million plus. I mean, just kind of stop a second. Uh, why would anybody pay $24 million unless they expected something valuable in return? Well, did uh, uh, Hunter Biden, did they send him uh, 20,000 pickup trucks in exchange for that money? No. Thousands of tons of potatoes? No. Thousands of bushels of wheat? No. No. He only has one thing to sell that they did pay $24 million for, and that's influence peddling. There's nothing else that makes any sense. And what an outrage. Our number one rival, number one enemy in the world, has paid $24 million in bribes to the Biden family. I mean, just an outrage. Can you imagine Donald Trump? had received that kind of money, what, he'd be in prison, his family would be in prison, his wife would be in prison. It, it would just be a disaster. Yet they're able to get away with it. It's just mind-numbing. It's, and, of course, the border is a disaster. Uh, the whole the Middle East was badly mismanaged. 
uh, Afghanistan badly mismanaged, inflation, okay, uh, the spending, I mean, every single category. We have a president and administration that has just been incompetent. And I, I, it sounds, when you say the word, it sounds like it's, you're being extreme or being unreasonable outside the mainstream. That's what the basic facts are indicating. He was warned not to pass those big spending bills because they would be inflationary, warned by liberal economists, warned not to attack the petroleum industry. That would be uh, very inflationary. He did both of those things, and we have uh, inflation is shot all the way up. He inherited 1.7%. It shot all the way up to 9.1 percent. Just that they're worse than 42 years, worse since Jimmy Carter got you know rest of Muslims, uh, soul. But the worst since uh, Jimmy Carter. There's a horrible mismanagement uh, of, the, of the economy, and so you look at all these things, and you, and you just have to say that you've got a, a president that's just that they're bumbling and doesn't really know uh, what he's doing. Well, I think that accusing this administration of incompetence is radical. It is extreme because I think it's extremely understating the case. I don't think any of this is out of incompetence. I think it's all part of a design. I've analogized the left to an octopus. I don't know if you've seen the video on YouTube, but there's an octopus on the deck of a fishing trawler. And uh, what a scupper is, is in the gunnel, the side of the ship above deck, there are little... Uh, apertures through which seawater can drain back into the ocean when it washes over if a wave washes over the side of the gunnel well mm -hmm. this octopus is on the deck and wants to get back into the ocean and can't really fit into the scupper but it's moving and it's all it's got all eight arms and they're moving in different directions in different uh, orientations at different rates of speed but ultimately, they're propelling that entire organism back out the scupper into the ocean. And that's what the left does, right? They're, they've got all these different tentacles, and they're all going in seemingly different directions in different orientations at differing rates of speed. Sometimes it's the climate change tentacle that, that seems to be moving the fastest, and people forget all about the transgender tentacle and you know all these tentacles. And the idea is to keep you off balance, keep you confused, and not realize that what the left is doing is propelling America right over the cliff. I think this is all part of a larger design. They hate you, they hate me, they hate America. And their goal is to undermine this great republic of ours. I think so. Of course, uh, uh, the great one, Mark Levine, has the book out, uh, How the Democratic Party Hates America. And there's a lot uh, to that. They uh, resent our success, resent how well the United States has done and the opportunities it offers. They kind of, they kind of resent it. Uh, they think they somehow think of it as being a white thing, okay, and a white thing and or a Jewish thing or whatever. And uh, the, they're on the minority side somehow is against that. Well, of course, it doesn't make any sense because, uh, like John Kennedy said, a rising tide lifts all boats. You have a prosperous nation with lots of jobs, lots of job opportunities, lots of economic opportunities. There are uh, black people that are flourishing in our democracy, uh, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing. It benefits us all, and yet there's this attitude, kind of an anti-Republican, anti-establishment or whatever attitude, uh, what's good for uh, for us is bad for you and vice versa. There's that locked in Yeah, they look at it, they look at everything as a zero-sum game. They don't realize that we don't have to carve up the pie, we can actually grow the pie, right? Make a bigger pie, yeah. as you said, a rising tide lifts all boats. And, and Look at the numbers. Donald Trump had the highest rate of black and minority 
employment in history, the lowest rate of minority mm -hmm. unemployment in history. A black community, Hispanic community, Asian community, all our people were thriving during the Trump presidency. And it's kind of the exact opposite right now. Yes, it's funny how, and you talk to wonderful black people, there's kind of this almost a locked in mentality that uh, a vote for Republicans, a vote against us, and a vote for Democrats, a vote for us, although that is changing. That is changing. Now, they got 88% of the vote in the last election, which was actually down from like, uh, I, I, I think, uh, 90 before. However, they are starting to lose the black vote. The thing that's hurting them a lot of the times, the Democratic Party, is that they're taking money away uh, from programs that benefited the black residents, and they're giving it to illegal uh, illegal immigrants in New York and Chicago right. and other places. And they're starting to say, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're the American citizens. You're taking programs in a way that are supposed to help us. Uh, right? Talking about the homeless, for example, up in New York. Uh, they they money uh, housing and support that was supposed to go to American homeless is now going to uh, people from uh, Venezuela and other places. And one thing, the most bitter is the un unkindest cut of all. They gave the people from Venezuela, I think there were as many as 500,000 of them, the opportunity to get work permits to be able to work in the United States. Well, what a great opportunity. What percentage of them took advantage of it? Two <laughs> percent. They're yeah. perfectly happy. Well, something else is cutting against them, too. And, you know, hubris, I've always said hubris is going to be their downfall. They're going to overstep the mark so badly that all of a sudden the scales will fall from people's eyes and everyone will see what they're really all about. These indictments of Donald Trump with every indictment, his poll number has gone up. Yeah. But his poll yeah. numbers in the black community have gone up faster and further than any other community. And you've got black men now. It's a thing on TikTok and on Facebook and on X. They say their name, they say their age, and then they say they're voting for Donald Trump. It's it's becoming a thing. I have maintained ever since I first got involved in politics back in the 70s that black America will once again find its home in the Republican Party, the first black congressmen and senators were republicans after reconstruction Re mm -hmm, blacks right. voted reliably republican up until the new deal and i said I, we're going to get them back but it, it's got to be it, it can't just be we're not democrats that's why you should vote for us the re it's affirmatively upon the republican party to advocate policies that help black america as well as the rest of the country and we've got to make them feel welcome and we've got to take it upon ourselves to bring to invite them home not just for them to to come home they've got to feel welcome jared thank you so much it's a great book tiny blunders big disasters 39 tiny mistakes that change the world forever you can find it at tinyblundersbigdisasters.com and follow jared on x at blunder king 29. That's it for The Reckoning tonight. Stay tuned on TNT Radio Vision for the Havoye Moore Show. I'm Timothy Shea. Until next time, God bless you. God bless these United States. Keep fighting the good fight.